spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Welcome to Max Mike Movies, the show that stays crunchy in milk, but use a spoon. You'll want to get every drop. On my left, well, if eventual left is that man with the mustache that master of mustard max levine and hello and i i am that packet of condiment you can't quite identify mike loose Ooh, condiment you can't say that well, i'll beep it out later okay here on the show we talk about the wild wacky naked world of movies we're currently in the middle of a series dealing with guilty pleasures and this week ooh, we have a naughty naughty film indeed for you action fans, that movie you likely missed, that zenith of all that is Willis, Hudson oh Hawk. <laughs> Why? 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 Because Why? fish. You might be thinking, how the hell can I write these people and let them know how nutty and kooky they are? Well, you can do so at us at MaxMikeMovies.com. While you're at it, peruse our fine catalog of back issues at MaxMikeMovies.com. And are you a twit? You can twit us at Plort Max Mike Movies, or you can face us on the book at, <laughs> you guessed it, Max Mike Movies. Let's go into trivia, and uh, this... Uh, hang on, hang on, Mike. I, I do have to interrupt you here. But, but, but trivia. We, ha we have a fabulous new feature this wait, week. Wait, 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 you didn't tell me... Viewer any... mail. We have viewer mail? We had, we, well, listener mail, I guess. That, that, oh, listener mail. Ooh, listener mail. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm, right. I'm all, ooh, uh, I'm, I, I'm all a Twitter. Ooh. Oh, no, no, you already talked about oh, yeah, that, right. uh, going on Twitter. Yes, one of, one of our astute and well-dressed listeners. Well-dressed? You've met this person? We will all our listeners are remarkably natty dressers. Oh. I am convinced of this. And those of you listening, I know you're fine dressers. Mike thinks you're all a bunch of slobs. You said you wouldn't tell. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Mm. This was from this was from one of our listeners. I'll get you at recess. Is ident <laughs> identified as Franz Josef Halbwitz. Okay, that's not his real name, but hey, can they do that? It's about why not? We do. No one. You, th you think they people believe your name's actually Mike Loose? No, that's true. <laughs> you got a point. Wait, what point? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. My head hurts. Maybe you're French. But uh, this one was titled Tuppence, Tuppence, Tuppence a mortgage? Huh? I listened to your Mary Poppins Returns episode today, and one of your well-worn spoilers was that Michael uses the accrued interest of the tuppence from the first movie to pay off his overdue mortgage or whatever. That got me to thinking, which is never a good thing on a rainy day, how much money would that be, and could it pay off a mortgage? After some internet research into historical wages and interest rates, combined with some spreadsheet madness, I came up with a reasonable answer. Okay, some of our listeners are way too involved in this. Tuppence, invested for 30 years at 3% compound interest, will give you about 2 pounds and 5 pence old money. That much. Which was still, yeah, which would still be what was in use in the 1930s. This, that's about half a week's pay for the average salary in 1930, or a week and a half at the legal minimum wage for farm workers in 1930. If two quid had been enough to get Fidelity Fiduciary Bank off his back, Michael could have just pulled turnips for a couple of months instead of painting and come out ahead. Or, I don't know, put his maid on unpaid furlough for a month. Now what about his mortgage? The average price for a house in London in the 30s was 300 to 400 pounds. 300 pounds?! Wait, of, of well, what? I don't know. Of, of, I'm, that, it doesn't say. Oh. 
The bank's place is more upscale, so let's say it's worth 800 pounds. 800 pounds? <laughs> well, that's pretty light for a house. I always figure houses weigh a few tons. Oh, yeah, it could ball away. Imagine this conversation at the bank. Quote, one of our employees is passed due to the tune of 0.25% of his mortgage. <gasps> and, and you want to start the hassle of a foreclosure? We'll pay more than that in legal fees. Hmm. Forget the admiral's salute, which I pointed out. Uh, insert comic book guy tag. The economic assumptions are incorrect by an order of magnitude. I hope someone was fired for this gross mistake. <laughs> End comic book guy tag. If you want, and you don't, I can show you my math and the various information sources I used. Fun fact, the Bank of England has a spreadsheet you can download that lists its basic interest rates back to 1694. Really? Yes. Well, Franz Joseph Halbwitz, thank you so much. This was fascinating. Thank you, Franz. And thank you, Hans, no, whenever I... you write us. <laughs> so, hey, listen, folks, so, you heard that's actual listener mail. That, you yep. could get on the show, too, by writing us. You should do that. You should. All of you. But All meanwhile, you. No, you mentioned trivia. Yeah, Max, because you're not going to avoid Hudson Hawk forever. The show. I can try. And yet you will fail, fail, fail. Just like this film failed, because the first bit of trivia I have, budget, 65 million. Take, 17. Um, so we may have hit our low for this series so far. Yeah. Mm. Um, hey, we have a Stallone in here. It's it, yes, it's a lesser do. Stallone. <laughs> it's a somewhat more diminutive Stallone. Um, Frank, yeah. <laughs> So the story is by Robert Kraft, who is also the executive producer, who's a musician and a close personal friend of uh, Bruce Willis. Um, and apparently, uh, the, this is his one and only story credit, Willis's, by the way. Uh, he has not yet gone back to um, putting out stories for movies. And So, good, he learned his lesson. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, apparently, there were filming problems because Willie, Willis kept tossing out new ideas, though you can hardly tell. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Richard E. Grant, who plays uh, uh, one of the Mayflower twins, uh, not a fan of the movie at no. all. Um, James Coburn's character is named George Kaplan, which is the name of a character from North by Northwest. Oh, that's right. Also, and I can't believe I never noticed this because uh, um, the the sound that the handcuffs that uh, are put on Hudson Hawk at one point make the uh. same sound as the phones from the Flint movies in like Flint, Flint and our man Flint. That I recognized. What I never put together was that, yeah, Flint was played by James Coburn, who's oh, right there. You didn't notice. I, I figured that was a tribute to him. I assume so, too. I just never put the two together. It's like, oh, yeah. Uh. It's like, oh, that's from the Flint movies. Yeah. <clears throat> so is he. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the possible reasons for the movie failing was the fact that it was marketed as an action film, as that was what Willis was famous for at the time. Then again, um, <laughs> that may be just one of the problems. Yeah, because I think he'd done both, at least one of the Die Hard films. I can't remember if he'd done both of them at that point. Yeah. Not sure. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, the depth of the crater this movie made was such that TriStar <laughs> was then sold to MGM. They lost ah. they lost $50 million, and it's like, um, could you help us, please? And, uh, yeah, so they went on TriStar. $50 Crockheights. So TriStar, while it continued to make movies under its own name, was actually just a subsidiary of MGM at that point, uh, as was Columbia. 
Uh, I actually have no idea who owns Columbia today because I'm not even sure MGM's still around or who knows. Does it matter? No. Though not super, we do indeed have the first film appearance of the Mario Brothers, although neither seems to be a plumber. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Except they weren't weren't named uh, Luigi and Mario. Well, they wouldn't be Mario. Is Mario Mario Mario? I have no idea. According to, uh, if we're talking about the video game character... Or the uh, character, because it's uh, Caesar and Mario. Caesar to Anthony Mario. Anthony Mario. Yeah. Yeah, it's Caesar and Anthony Mario. So technically the Mario Brothers. But according to the Mario Brothers, the movie, (laughs) Mario, Mario, this is true. Mario and Luigi's last name is Mario. Okay. Now, I don't know how canon that is for the video games, but in the movie, they explain Mario's name is actually Mario Mario. In this movie, in Hudson Hawk, the uh, Mario Brothers are Anthony and Caesar Mario. Right. Uh, one named after the salad dressing, I'm sure. Right. Of um, so on a positive note, the film was shot all over Europe and the U.S. Locations include New York, Rome, Venice, Budapest, London, and Los Angeles. And it does have a very worldly feel. You can see where the money was spent. Um, it wasn't on the script. <laughs> that was so good, they kept working on it to make it perfect. Um, this is, sadly, the last film, quote-unquote, appearance by the Rocky and Bullwinkle star Robert Conrad. Ah, uh, yes. I think he did some other things too, but I don't know. Yes, he was also Denethor in the animated version of Return of the King. Was he? Yes, he was. Awesome, good we, for him. None of you have seen, don't. <laughs> the part of Minerva Mayflower was actually made up uh, partway through the scripting process. Originally, it was just the one Mayflower. It was just huh. uh, Darwin. Um, but then it was being written for, hold your hats, Audrey Hepburn. What? And apparently they were in talks what? to get her. <laughs> they were in talks to get her for the film, but the negotiations oh broke down. God. And sadly, Audrey could not be part of the film. Oh, Audrey, what a bullet you dodged. Uh, you know, I, okay, well, wow. we'll, see, we'll see how this film plays out later on. Because remember, this is Guilty Pleasures. Um, the body count in this movie, 22. Because death is funny. <laughs> Okay, that might even be our new... Uh, I'll put that third after Toss Don't Stack and What Is With Zangief's Ass. Yeah. Um, uh, so the uh, the ratings for this one, again, I, I think we might have hit a new low for the, the series so far. 26% on the uh, Rotten Fruit site. Um, IMDb, however, is, is a lot more optimistic. They gave it a 5.8 out of 10. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> the famous voice actor Frank Welker appears here. He's most famously known as uh, Freddy in Scooby-Doo. But here mm-hmm. he voices Bunny the dog. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> Bunny, ball, ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And last for the trivia that I bothered to report, it contains my absolute favorite performance by David Caruso. <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't speak? Uh, he's just fun. He is fun. I like uh, I, My name is Kit Kat, and this is a dream. I thought he said this is not a dream. It's not a dream. Well, this is yeah. a dream. Seeing this movie as a dream comes yeah. true. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> right. Oh, so. I, I had one other piece of trivia. You do? I do. The actor who plays Butterfinger, Andrew Bynarski. Right. Also, and this is a connection to our show, in effect, in the movie Street Fighter, he played Zangief. <laughs> Yes. Or maybe he was just the stunt ass. We don't he know. Might have been the, he might have been the stunt ass. I, so we now have to ask, what is up with Andrew Brynarski's ass? 
Now, the interesting thing, too, is that he was just going on vacation to visit a friend in Los Angeles. And it's one of those stories where a talent scout saw him and said, you'd be perfect in Hudson Hawk. <laughs> and Hi, then, you're huge. Let's hire you. Kind of. And then he wow. went on and had quite the career. Now, I went through his mm. little IMDb page and he's still working. He's been he's done tons of films. Oh, none, yeah. of, none of them really stood out too much. <laughs> but that being said, good for him because yep, I actually him, thought I thought he was funny. But, you know, there you go. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to him. Right. But first, the plot. Mm. Mm. Now, nothing out of you. Stop. No. 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 <laughs> Here's the plot. So, there's this cat burglar named Eddie Hawkins, or Hudson Hawk, and he's getting out of jail after 10 years. All he wants is a cappuccino. Thing is, his parole officer, a local mobster duo named the Mario Brothers, the CIA, and a crazy ultra-rich couple, the Mayflowers, all want him to go back to his ways of crime to help them find the long-lost pieces of the Da Vinci machine that turns lead into gold. Which we all remember. Yeah. Along the way, Eddie teams back up with his old partner, Tommy Five-Tone, as they burgle an art gallery, the Vatican, and finally the Mayflowers themselves. Sort of. There's hijinks with a Vatican-sent secret nun spy, a team of CIA agents named after candy bars, and special appearances by Da Vinci himself, as played by a real actor. Ooh. Mm. Will Eddie ever get his cappuccino? Find out in Hudson Hawk Across the Eighth Dimension. Or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But now we can talk about the film. The Lowdown. So, Hudson Hawk, I saw this film when it originally came out. It was a, a I remember it as being winter, but apparently it came out in May. Maybe it was just a cold, rainy May with nothing to do. Mm. And one of our mutual friends, Libby, who is a big Bruce Willis fan, um, said that she wanted to go see this film. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to see, I don't like Bruce Willis. I don't want to see Bruce Willis. Um, and we had nothing to do. And we were looking through the paper, and I just was like, oh, I just don't want to hang around. I want to do something. And I said, you know what, why don't we go see this movie? And so she's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, let's just go. It's fine. So we got there, us and the other four people. Um, and this was, I don't think it was opening weekend, but it, it was probably soon after. It must have been soon after it opened because I don't think it was out in theaters very long. No. And I remember, no. And I remember the movie started and I knew that it was some sort of, um, you know, th a theft movie, burglar movie, whatever. It had Bruce Willis, so it was going to have action. But when the movie started... I and I think the rest of the audience were not sure we were in the right theater because the film opens in Renaissance Italy and we're sort of well you know actually I think it's Budapest but there you go mm. um, so we, we, we start off with Da Vinci himself doing Da Vinci things and I'm just like what has this got to do with Bruce Willis and I actually was like checking my ticket am i in the right theater i really honestly did not know if i was in the right place there's no credits or anything and then after they get pa past that part it's then it goes it's hudson hawk and i was more or less relieved it's like okay i'm I, i'm in the right place but pretty much after that this just won my heart okay why well well before we get to that <clears throat> What was your first experience with this film? Was it a case where I made you watch it? I think it was a case it came was out on videotape. Yes, literal VHS. And you made me rent it and watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I tried had you at gunpoint or something. Pretty much. My thing with this movie, if you look at it as a movie, as a live action comedy action, whatever, it does it's terrible. This thing is a cartoon. Yes. Yeah, it's basically a live-action cartoon 
Sort of. And I, <laughs> at, parts of this movie are a lot of fun. I freely admit that. Sandra Bernhardt is just a pleasure to watch. When, when she gets she gets the bit between her teeth, and it's like, get out of the way. Don't even try. <laughs> well, it's, it's like a constant fight between her and Richard E. Grant as to who can chew the most at the same yeah. time. And Richard E. Grant is hilarious in this. He is he, so damn funny. They both are. I got a question. The Mayflowers, are they married or are they sp- uh, siblings? Supposedly, they are married. However... How do you know that? Um, because I just he, he called I want he points I and uh, pardon our our our, our listeners and uh, the female persuasion. He calls her his wench, which oh, is not true. generally you something you refer to as your sister. I know I the few times not. I referred to my sister that way. Boy, I mean, she smacked me with a herring, but you know <laughs> that's what you do. Okay, that that's reasonable. That's the only real cue that you get there. Now, to be fair. In this film especially, one does not necessarily preclude the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a very creepy vibe between them. Yes, and I think that's on purpose. But <laughs> I do like when, uh, when uh, Darwin, uh, Richard E. Grant, is giving one, his vil- one of his villain speeches about <laughs> what their plan is. And Hawk makes some wisecrack, and he just throws off. It's very, it's actually surprisingly subtle. He just goes, shut up, you're going to make me lose my place. <laughs> it's like he's telling us he's reading off the cue cards. It doesn't matter. He's doing a great job. Oh, I he mean, is. He's hilarious. He is easily the Palpatine of this film. And he's, mm. he's uh, I, my favorite part, he has this wonderful speech at the end of the film. And one of the lines I love the best from this film is, if Da Vinci were alive today, he'd be eating microwave sushi naked in the back backseat of a Cadillac with the both of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a question. Why would you microwave sushi? I don't care. <laughs> don't microwave sushi. It's supposed to... Uh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mm. matter. It's just it's just fun. <laughs> um, I love Minerva. She's she's nuts. Um, yeah. You know, empires will crash, crash. Cr- or no, was it... Uh, financial, financial... Finances will crash. No, crash, markets will crash, crash, crash. crash financial empires will, will crumble, 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 crumble. But the Except- way she says it is just... You're just watching those lips make yep. these sounds, and it's just amazing. Bunny mm-hmm. ball ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, good hawk. Good hawk. Bad hawk. <laughs> I still like, you know... She even... There's a sort of byplay with her and hawk, but at one point she... He says, I always wanted to sing like Rudy Valley, and she immediately reposts with Big Boys Don't Cry I I. <laughs> That's what I like about this film. It is there is at no point where it really takes itself that seriously. Um it is I honestly think a, a what did I say it was sixty seven million dollars? It's a sixty seven yeah. million dollar like romp around Europe between a bunch of people. Um and to be fair, it's a pretty good cast. It is. Tommy, Tommy Five Tone. That's a Danny Aiello. Yep. Yo, apparently he Oscar. and he and uh, Willis go back. They're both from Jersey, uh, and they wanted to make a movie together. Now the sad thing is, this is the only film I've ever seen Danny Aiello. <laughs> oh, that is sad because he's done a lot better. He usually does mobster films, doesn't he? He does some. He also does like comedies or romances. He, he was in. Uh, he's great in Moonlighting. Not Moonlighting. Excuse me. <laughs> I was uh, gonna say that was Willis. Yeah, that was Willis. What the hell was the uh, Moonstruck? Yeah. Excuse me. Oh, mm. uh, I, I I think that he sings better than Willis again, which is not that that big a surprise. Yeah. Um, their chemistry is great. 
Um, they're obviously buds. You can believe the friendship. So although this film doesn't have a lot of credibility past that, I will admit. But we have James Coburn, who's been in everything and has mm. generally excellent. He's even good in this. You know, he's got his tongue firmly planted in his cheek. I think he's like, hey, paycheck. Awesome. I don't um, think he knows what the script is. I don't think any. Of I think he did. has no idea what the story is. He, they said these are your scenes, James. Uh, he goes, okay. Yeah, you're in charge um, of these people. Fine, I'll do so, this, and then here, I'm going to go do the Muppet Show, where I'll have a little bit of actual dignity. Yeah. So you, you're in charge of um, Boo Boo Bear, and <laughs> this man who's a living statue, um, and this nice lady over here, <clears throat> who seems yeah, to be yeah. the only competent one of the group, uh, except for the the other candy bar Snickers, mm-hmm. um, and then you know whatever. <laughs> Is there any reason for them to be candy bars? No, absolutely none. But Let's it's say, fun. Yeah, those are their code names. Right. Well, it's better than diseases, right? Yes. Yeah, so Almond Joy tells them that you know, her code name used to be Chlamydia. <laughs> it's a very lovely name. <laughs> yes. Um. So you've got James Coburn. You've got Bruce Willis, whom I mean, you know people like him. He's not my favorite. This is actually my favorite Bruce Willis performance next to Fifth Element. Otherwise, not a big fan. And I think one of the reasons is that he's not taking himself seriously either. Um, we said uh, last week at our, at our end tag that we would talk about Die Hard. I saw Die Hard. I saw it once. And I just found it annoying because he's, he's, he's the action hero. He seems a little full of himself. He's got this little smirk going on that's just sort of, I think it's a Bruce Willis expression. I don't think he means anything. He certainly by... has that in Hudson Hawk. The whole movie is one big smirk. But he also gets his ass... Um, booted because I can't say kicked. Ooh, I said kicked. Um, he gets his ass booted as much as anybody, if not more than anybody, in this film. So it's not quite. He every time he smirks, it's right before he gets smacked. So you know, but the first Die Hard film I can't deal with because it has Alan Rickman as the villain, and I'm sorry, I don't believe anyone's going to lose to Alan Rickman. I mean, you don't what. I don't think you, anyone is going to lose to Alan Rickman. Alan so Rickman's th- going to come out on top, no matter what. No, but when you say that no one is going to lose to Alan Rickman, that means you can't believe he, Alan Rickman is going to win. Oh, what? the other way around. Yeah. Didn't I screw this up last week, too? Yes, you did. I don't so believe anyone's going to beat Alan Rickman. You, have, you can't believe that Alan Rickman could uh, would lose to Bruce Willis. Yes, that's what okay. I meant. <laughs> okay. You know, I, folks, we don't script this ahead of time. We're doing <laughs> this on the fly. Could you guess? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I think that's kind of. Uh, I I don't really see that as a reason to to completely trash the movie because the rest of the movie is really terrific. And yes, it's true. Hans Gruber is way cooler than John McClane as both yes. as just as, you know, Alan Rickman is cooler than Bruce Willis. But they both do a really nice job, I think. And uh, all the side characters are good. Anyway, uh, I don't really have to defend Die Hard as it's one of the most <laughs> successful movies there is. So. You know, I think we're going to take the next 30 minutes to go ahead and trash Die Hard because, uh-huh. no, I just, you know, I just don't like Bruce Willis. There's nothing wrong with him. He's perfectly fine. He's made a lot of money. People like him. It's just one of those taste things. I don't particularly care for him. Okay. Um, I, I think except he, he, except he, in this. Apparently you like him once and all. And Fifth Element. I like him in Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's because both characters have a goofy kind of not downtrodden but like they're obviously far from perfect side and when he's playing john mcclain and he can do everything and swing from everything and everything's perfect and he's smirking i just don't care for him um which is i don't know but here he very much is not in full bruce willis mode um and that's fine you know again it's that people like bruce willis it's i don't care that you die hard how many of them are there 16 five six i've lost track yeah 
things. But uh, Alan Rickman, I, it's like there's an old Hollywood adage, you know, the actors say, boy, you know, you don't want to work opposite children or, or uh, animals. I'm going to go on the limb and say you didn't want to work across from Alan Rickman either because it's like, oh, I see. I'm and the rest. Okay, that's great. I got to disagree with you completely on that. One of the things that is so cool about Alan Rickman is he's really good to work. He, he does really well with other actors. He oh, no, makes no, no. This other is not, actors look good. This is not I, a comment on him, per, on, on his no, performance. No, I'm not saying either. I just think it's like, I would rather just watch him. <laughs> Except when he works in a group, in Harry Potter even, he elevates mm. the other actors. Truly, madly, deeply, him and uh, Emma Thompson are adorable, and it's because of both of them together. Hell, Dogma, which is a Kevin, my, probably my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Stinking Every, Kevin. Every every scene he's in, he makes everyone else look better. I I don't think he's one of those blows all the other actors off the screen like like Olivier did. I I think he's a much more generous actor than that. I I don't think he uh, he steals everything. I don't think that. I just think it's one of those things. It's like oh, I have to work across from Alan Rickman. Uh, I better up my game or I'm in well, trouble. It's true when you have someone like Bruce Willis who is, let's face it, Alan Rickman is a great actor. Was a great actor. Hmm. Bruce Willis is a competent actor he is uh one of our our friends from last week uh john cusack from we our talked about close personal personal friend yeah hey anybody we talk about on the show is automatically our personal best friend there, there i said it it's legal until Ooh. the end of time ipso facto etc oh phyllis you... diller what are you doing later <laughs> uh i think decomposing but oh yes. i didn't know she um, wrote music yeah no, she erases it. Oh. Uh, but John Cusack said of Bruce Willis, he's a lucky truck driver. <laughs> and I'm afraid that does kind of sum him up. He's a competent actor, but he's not a terrible. He's not a great actor. So yeah, I mean, Alan Rickman outacts him, which is why they're very they very sensibly only have them together in one scene in yeah. Die Hard. But we're we're not talking about Die Hard. We're talking about Hudson Hawk. I would rather talk about Die Hard because that's a good movie. <laughs> But that's what this whole series is about. It's about guilty pleasures. And I have lots of guilty pleasure with this movie. I can understand that. It is one of the nice things. You do not have to engage your brain at all. No, in, in fact, if you do, I think yeah, it hurts more. Like it actually spoon. does. There are things like, you know, when uh, in one of the opening scenes, due to never mind why, uh, Hudson is, in a, is being dragged behind an ambulance with full, driven by gangsters who are trying to kill him. And at one, finally, the ambulance goes off the road, bounces into midair, and explodes before <laughs> it hits the ground. Ambulances, as you know, are very dangerous. I know in Hol- <laughs> I know that in Hollywood, all cars are effectively made out of you know, gelignite and Semtex, and so blow up for no reason. This didn't hit anything. It just went up. Boom! And then landed. Apparently, I think, I, I think it tripped on a plot hole. Uh, that's just Who cares? Dumb. That's right. He passes the ambulance on the gurney. Yes. <laughs> um, also, as you may or may not know, there is uh, there is no toll on that bridge, but that's okay. Um, who cares? Who cares? The whole there film little, is who cares. There are little throwaway things that I thought were cute. Like at one point he's on the roof of the Vatican and he's hanging onto a TV antenna. And we cut to a scene of a man who is very clearly supposed to be the Pope. 
And he is watching Mr. Ed dubbed in Italian. Which is awesome. Wilbur. Which Wilbur. <laughs> which actually is pretty funny. One of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen was the Beverly Hillbillies translated into Japanese. Oh, because wow. not only were the voices hilarious, but I'm just like, what cultural context do they have for this? Why would you bring Beverly Hillbillies and inflict it on Japan? Jedu-san! Jedu-san! Jedu, Jedu! It's like, okay. Um, oh, yeah. Lord. So anyway, yeah, th- this yeah. film, yeah, there is nothing to be taken seriously. Now, I do like... The idea of the cat burglars who time things together by singing the same song. I think it's cute. Now, of course, in today's technology, because they've made this film in 1991, uh, there's absolutely no reason to do this because you would have Bluetooth hear pieces and stuff. But we run into this a lot when we see films um, that happened even 20-something years ago, is that there's all these things that you couldn't do or you'd have to rewrite because of technology. Anytime there's a phone booth that shows up, it's like, oh, remember those and how much we hated them and yeah. how no, inconvenient they were. It's an interesting little sort of block device that uh, both of them, that's how they time things. The two of them get together, they choose a song that's the yeah. right length, and they start singing it. And that's how they keep synchronized. Now, they sing it out loud. <laughs> They're sneaking through an auction house, singing, and I don't mean whispering. At several points, they are singing at the tops of their lungs. Well, the guards are in a different room. (laughs) Yeah, there are like three other people in that building, and they can't hear these guys belting out, swinging on a star. No, they could. Obviously, they couldn't, because if they could, they would have arrested them. You're just not using your brain. (laughs) Brain and brain. What is brain? I was waiting for that one. Um, yeah, so do you know what that, that whole singing together and Buddy, what that was a callback to? I assume it's the uh, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby road movies. You got it. Yeah, they even mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, but apparently this whole film comes from, and I watched an interview with this, there was actually a little get-together between Robert Kraft and... Um, Bruce Willis not long I'm guessing a couple of years after they made the movie although at that point Bruce Willis says yeah you know it didn't do too well but it's uh, it's starting to make money so it's actually turning a profit it's like um you should have another puff of whatever you're smoking because it's doing you some good um and he said that it really comes back from Robert Kraft having written a song because he's a musician and that's how they met actually he and his his band were playing at some club in new york and Mm. bruce willis and i think this is wonderfully illustrative of what kind of person or truck driver um Mm. bruce willis is they were playing a song and in the audience bruce willis pulls out a harmonica and joins them okay yeah not not with their knowledge oh like he just somebody in the audience just starts playing along so he gets invited up on stage and they become fast friends well the hawk, the wind they're talking about, is actually the name of the wind that comes off Lake Michigan in Chicago. Yeah, it has. None, I wondered about that. The hawk wind is a known Chicago phenomenon. It has nothing to do with New York. Right. Well, apparently one day, Mr. Kraft was walking down the street in New York City, and a sudden wind came off the Hudson. And apparently they get winds like this, which is strong enough that you can kind of lean into it to see how mm-hmm. far you can go and be kept up. And he was thinking about that, and he was like, you know, that thing in Chicago that's the Chicago Hawk maybe this is the Hudson Hawk and he wrote a little song he wrote a little blues tune or a little jazz tune to it and he and and Willis apparently said to each other you know if we ever make a movie we should make a movie about this cat burglar character named Hudson Hawk after your song 
Mm. And okay. that's where they stopped. And then they just picked up 12 years later and made a movie. <laughs> uh, no, there's, there is a script here. Uh, I yeah. don't think it's used very often, but there is a script. It's interesting. You know, there's, you, there's one person you haven't mentioned at all, Andy McDowell. Oh, oh, Andy McDowell. She is so wonderful. Um, she got re- she was a last minute replacement. They actually had somebody that, that they'd hired right after um, they couldn't get Audrey Hepburn. She <laughs> shot a few scenes and apparently broke her leg, I believe. I don't remember who the actress was, but they were like, ah, Andy McDowell. And they brought her in as the, the spy nun. <laughs> and she starts off the film. It almost seems like she's sort of reticent to kind of get as as goofy as everyone else. Although there, I wonder, I love that scene in the subway where she's apparently praying, but it's really just a weird crucifix radio up to the cardinal. Mm. Um, but she gets goofier and goofier, and I love this scene where she's been drugged by Curare and she's feigning the fact that it's messing with her head, and she just goes, "I have to go talk to the dolphins now." <laughs> and she's yeah, she great. does seem to be having fun there. But I, yeah, she's I like Andy McDowell. She's pretty much fun in anything. Um, but yeah, she's she's good. Yeah, I think she's kind of wasted in this because uh. that some of the scenes that where the movie grinds to a halt is where they're trying to do romance, where they're trying to show this uh, budding attraction to, between her and Willis. Hey, I fully believe that they portray the fact that her character <laughs> Anna tolerates yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tolerates Eddie Hawkins. I fully believe uh-huh. in her ability to portray that um, that tolerance. Yeah, their chemistry seems a trifle forced. I'm not saying it's not there. It's okay. They're, they're okay together, but it's just really kind of hard to believe. Well, when they're sitting there together alone in a room or you know at a table mm-hmm. or, or wherever, um, there's not a lot of extra space for the love that mm-hmm. Bruce Willis has for himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As portrayed in the film, he might not be like that in real life. I don't know. I never the name, but yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's not the best pairing I would say I've seen in a film ever. Ever, but yeah. I, yeah, honestly, I think he has more chemistry with Danny Aiello. He does, mm. <laughs> but that's it's a buddy film, so yeah. that that almost makes sense. Except there's supposed to be this whole romantic thing, and it's he... kind of a buddy film. Except the buddy disappears for long <laughs> stretches of it. Danny Aiello just vanishes. I, yeah, I think he had a real job somewhere and just sort of wandered back on set. It's like, hey, I'm here. We could do a couple more scenes. I don't know. What do you say? Oh, but yeah, being. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Maron. Yeah. So um, we also have David Caruso, as I said, in a brilliant performance where he doesn't say a damned thing. Yeah, he plays um, Kit Kat, the CIA agent, the mute CIA agent. Who, who, of course, and who keeps dressing in various ways including a statue and the exact same dress as andy mcdowell and the same clothes as bruce willis yes mm. i will also say that he uh currently has my favorite performance as a man who has absolutely no idea how to wear a dress <laughs> yeah it's really unfortunate he's trying to sort of mimic andy mcdowell's movements and he when she's going up the stairs and he's following her he actually does get her body language but he doesn't know how to walk in heels or wear a dress that is true you know who was more believable at, dressed up as a woman? Milton Berle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's, that's uh, a- aiming way back for, for our older listeners. But, uh, yeah, that was one of Uncle Milty's big shticks was uh, dressing in drag. And he did it so often, he did actually get pretty good at it. Yeah, but you never, yeah. <laughs> However, yeah, you never bought him as a woman. I mean, no. let's face it, Milton Berle had many, was many things, but feminine was not one of them. I, I, I'll even add another one a little bit newer for, for some younger listeners. Yeah. I'll say that uh, 
David Caruso is as convincing as a woman as was, say, oh, I don't know, Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Peter Scolari? Yeah. Um, yeah. Peter so. Scolari, I think, pulled it off better, but... Uh... Mm, he kind of linebacker-ish. <laughs> well, well, he's kind of short, but it's true. He does have those big shoulders. Yeah. So that was kind of a problem. Big, meaty shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I always like the scene in that show at one point where someone... One of the women who do, who doesn't know he's a man <coughs> say, that's what I admire about you, Hildegard. You have that inner glow of femininity. I bet you take after your mother. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I have a little bit of dad in me, too. And Tom Hanks says behind him, little tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, bosom buddies, because there's a show you can't stop oh. quoting. Um, speaking of, there's a lot of great quotes in this film. I mean, just yeah. fun stuff. The, the uh, you know, again, the performances by Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt, who's I think she's more known for. Did she? She did stand up, didn't she? She did. She was more of a performance artist. She would sing. Oh, okay. she, I, I saw one of her shows, and while she did comedy, she also did a lot of music. Her stuff is very odd. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, intentionally, I think a lot of it is. She has incredible presence. Yes. She has real charisma. But her stuff for me was just too out there. It was very avant-garde. I will say I didn't get it. She has a great voice, though. She really can sing. Whenever she'd show up on the on the talk show circuit, you mm. know, David Letterman or stuff, she would be odd. I mean, not like Crispin Glover odd, but odd. Um, and you always kind of wondered. Uh, but in this, she's she's odd and fun. Like yeah, She yeah. works great. And it I'm was, sure yeah. that she probably made up half her own dialogue. And if she didn't, she made it feel like she did. Apparently so. a lot of that, there was a lot of improv in there. But, there yeah. are just certain things in this movie that I don't get. I that don't are wonderful? Is that what you meant to say? That are wonderful? There are things, for example, uh, when Tommy allegedly uh, betrays Hawk, and he and Anna, and it's at the same point he's found out that Anna is actually a nun, and they're both trying to explain to Bruce Willis why they did this and to apologize. And they do it at the same time. They talk over each other. They film the dialogue simultaneously so you can't understand what either of them are saying. Does it really Why? matter? Why? <laughs> yes, that's an attempt at an emotional connection. It's an attempt to get us to know these characters, to strengthen their connection with Hawk, and they throw it out the window. And what do they go from right there? A dumb, very clearly ad-lib joke about, hey, you know, Five Tone, why do you think they got all these rocks and crap lying around here in Rome? Oh, those are called ruins, Eddie. Yeah, good it's name like, for them. Yeah. I, I like that joke. <laughs> By itself, it'd be fine, but it comes on the heels of what was supposed to be something that was supposed to advance the character development, such as it was. And I don't know, all I could think was, all right, they knew they were wasting their time trying to actually develop the characters, so they aren't even bothering. Well, I, how much character development do you want in this movie anyway? I want some. I want to be you have to be able to like the characters. You have to care about what happens to them. I And while care. they are a little bit likable at times, <laughs> as I say, I like they're fine. When I talk about this is a cartoon, they're cartoon characters. You never get the feeling they're in any real danger. <laughs> I God, they fall out of windows like what Hawk and uh, Five Tone fall out of a window at least on the third floor like four times in this movie and just walk away from it. Oh, sure. They fall off trucks. They get hit by everything. I mean, hell, that fight scene between James Coburn and uh, Bruce Willis 
where it's there's cartoon sound effects and he's knocking him <laughs> back and forth and he gets caught up in the momentum. Oh my it's hat! Like, this is Bugs Bunny. Yeah, and then James Coburn does a flying kick over the ledge and plummets to his his death. Yes, because Bruce Willis <laughs> drops his hat and goes, "Oh my hat!" He actually says, "My hat." <laughs> bends over to pick it up and and Coburn sails over him. And it's hilarious. It is yeah. great. But let, let's face it: the one biggest hugest i can't believe this scene i honestly thought when i saw this movie and it delighted me and it still delights me is they're they're in europe filming and they suddenly suddenly look at the amount of actual film stock they have left and they're like um excuse me mr director we only have 100 feet of film left and they're like <laughs> oh um quick uh ending uh 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 Right. Tommy is yeah. fine, and he survived because of a sprinkler system. Oh, God, and... that's even what they do. I mean, he, we see him go over the cliff the car in, a lim- in a car that explodes, and he shows up at the end says, how about you went over the cliff? Airbags. Can, can you believe it? Can you blank and believe it? Can you blank and believe it? <laughs> but the car, you were caught in a fiery mass of death. It's a sprinkler system in kind of car. Inside the car, can you blank and believe it? And... <laughs> Bruce Willis just says, yeah, yeah, that's probably what happened. And it's like looking at the audience and saying, you know, screw you. We're, we're, we're just throwing this in. That's why I felt literally it's like, oh, we're out of film. Uh, something. <laughs> and also it was because having Five Tone die would have completely changed the tone of the movie. Right. Because no character you're supposed to care about. You notice all the ones who die are either the bad guys or characters who don't talk. Well, that's what's supposed to happen in yeah, an action film, there Max. Is, there is one point also that really takes me out of the movie. It's a throwaway line, but it really bugs me. And it disrupted it for me. And it's Butterfinger. Here's your stamps, Mr. Hawk. No, they're sitting out in the car. They know that you know Anna is up in the room trying to get information out of Bruce Willis. And at one point, uh, Snickers, I think, says... Uh, what do you think they're doing up there? And Butterfinger, trying to be helpful, says, "Want me to rape them?" <laughs> and I'm really I'm, just like, "What?" I yeah, I'm like, "Wait a minute!" First of all, Butterfinger is shown to be supposed to be this sort of innocent, ignorant man child. I mean, they have him reading Green Eggs and Ham out loud, <laughs> and not very well either. <laughs> no, and suddenly he's like, "You want me to go rape them?" It's like, whoa! That I, I'm sorry, that really took me out of the movie and out of the character. I, I had no problem with it because the, my thought was if he got if he if they said yes go and do it he would get up there and realize he had no idea what that meant. No, I, got, I that was exactly the opposite feeling I, I got. I got the feeling he said that because he'd done it before. Ah, uh, well, we're going to have to disagree There's, there. Okay, we can disagree about that. The other thing that gets me is who is one of the other major players in this? We have the Mayflowers, the yep. CIA, <laughs> and the Vatican. The Vatican. <laughs> The and their spy network. They, no, and their I, secret. Now, I have to. I didn't go look this up. I wondered about their secret mail train. I don't I know if that that's true or cool. not. I would not be surprised. I actually liked the idea of, oh, well, the Vatican is a player in the international intelligence world. Okay. But they play it so heavily for laughs, and I'm sorry, it's really hard to do that with the Catholic Church. It, it, it's hard to it, do what? It's hard to play them for laughs, especially when you're in Rome, because these guys are a world power. It's yeah. hard to see them as silly. 
But it's okay to see the CIA is silly. Yes, because the CIA is silly. I'm sorry, but they've done all. They have done some really <laughs> dumbass things. You have just doomed our show. We I are know. doomed. We're going so, off. folks, if you're looking for us next week and wondered what happened, well, we'll be we'll be coming to you live from Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> no, no, it, it, the CIA. I'm again sorry, CIA guys, but they have. We've accepted them as kind of a punchline. Okay. They they just have and, and you can't accept the Vatican as a punchline. It's uh, honestly uh I got, my people kind of have a history with them. It's a lot harder for me to see them as funny. Huh. But also they you know that's they toss it around. I like the idea. I I think it's funny that uh, the crucifix is a communications device. But they also just throw away this whole thing of okay, she's a nun, but you know what? I, she's changed her mind. She's going to, you know, you have sex with him at some point. Right. That's a big deal. A nun forsaking her vows, that's a huge thing. A spy nun. And they just toss it off. <laughs> they that, toss that, everything off in this movie. Yes. The other thing that bothers me about it is the Mayflower's evil plan. <laughs> their their evil plan is dumb. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I couldn't mind. It's like I understand. Okay, we've got all the gold. Then we're going to flood the market and make it worthless. Wait, what? Yeah, the idea is they're going to be able to make fake gold that is, you know, indistinguishable from real. They're going to build up a reserve. They're going to flood the market. They're going to cause gold to become valueless. And one of the lines they have the ba- they say gold the basis for all finance. No, it isn't. It used to be. It hasn't been for a long time. Well, it hadn't been as long in the 90s. Because <laughs> we didn't get out of the gold standard till the, what, the 70s? Uh, I think it was earlier than that. But yeah, yeah, that was we were on the gold standard. But the fact is, gold has no intrinsic value. It has value because people decided it did. You know what would happen if you if gold became worthless? A bunch of rich people would get a little less rich. There'd be a little kerfuffle. And then the market would readjust. This has happened in the past. Things that were incredibly valuable suddenly become worthless. Yeah, it causes a problem. It doesn't destroy the economy. Yeah, like that big spam crash in 1987. <laughs> no, I mean, like, hell, tulips in the 19th century, the whole oh, thing yeah. with, with Holland. That became insanely... Hell, Beanie Babies. I don't know. You got, <laughs> <laughs> that was all... That, yeah. yeah. But Max is just sore because of that whole thing where he tried to corner the market in Beanie Babies. And are you still it eating should those? Have, it should have worked. And if... <laughs> And I've got a recipe for them that is pretty palatable now. Yeah, you just keep trying with that. So, you know. Uh, By the way, if any of our listeners want to buy 67 tons of Beanie Babies. There's a nice man in Norway. Yeah, I'm sure, um, I'm sure there is. No. Yeah, as long as it's new with tag. Don't, I, 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 do, I do have to say, when I, was, when I was living in Minnesota, a friend of mine was a security specialist. He was a bodyguard. And he would be hired for executive protection. And his wife emailed me one day saying, well... Yeah, um, he can't come with us tonight. He's off on a special, and she's writing. You, know, she's off on a snort special assignment. He he, he's protecting, and she just all caps beanie babies. He's protecting a shipment of beanie babies. He uh, was because that was back when people were attacking delivery men to get the beanie babies. Wow, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. back in the days of Cabbage Patch Kids and uh, yeah, all anyway, that stuff. Anyway, yeah, anyway, yeah. this is speaking as far afield. Yeah, their plan is is ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense. 
Well, but, I understood the make gold and let's get rich thing. What I didn't that understand part is made then let's sense. flood the market. And it's like, why would you do that? That I part know. I could get. It's like, okay, you've got a gold making machine. Well, maybe what make... they meant to say was that we're gonna we're gonna make gold, and we're going to then sell our gold and flood the market. And before people realize what's happened, we'll have money based on something else, I guess. And you'll have okay, worthless that would, gold. That would make more sense. It's like, okay, yeah, we're going to flood the market. We're going to cash out all our gold, make a ton of money, put our money in sensible things like, you know, land or commodities or what have you. Right. And everyone else who's been still been investing in gold, because a lot of people do. Because uh, the stock market rises and falls. People are no damn good, good. but they'll <laughs> always want land and they'll pay through the nose to get it. Thank you, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> Otisburg. <laughs> well, well, Mrs. Miss Tessmacher had one of those. Otisburg. Well, it's just a little place off on the coast. Otisburg. I'll, I'll wipe it off. I'll wipe it off. <laughs> yes, yes, it reminds me of what my father said to me. Get out <laughs> before that. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, quoting from the original 1978 Superman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where Gene Hackman just says, Ha, ah, a movie. I'll take it. <laughs> Well, also, it's one of the most interesting performances by Ned Beatty ever, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's 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 somewhere else off yes. over there. Yeah. Um, I, there are so many different, some would say, disparaging elements of this film. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, that salad dressing that just won't congeal for some people. For me, it is a wonderful, tasty addition to anything. Um, it's I, I love the lines. Uh, as I said, I like Bruce Willis. I like Danny Aiello. Um, there's actually nobody in this film I, I think does a bad job for what they're doing. Um, I'll, there's nothing Oscar-worthy about this film. Um, you know, uh, The idea of Leonardo da Vinci apparently having disgruntledly mismaking a gold machine because he was trying to make bronze. Because basically what he seems to do, at least in the portrayal of da Vinci they have here, is he sets up his machine, he goes to make bronze out of lead because bronze was useful for making statues. He opens up the little mold, it's gold, and he's like, ugh. <laughs> well, I think the idea, I, I, li I sort of like that idea. I think because they're saying da Vinci was so smart, he goes, oh, this would be terrible. Except because back then, gold really was the basis for a lot of economies. Except it's really just portrayed as, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a sort of Norman Krasner quality to it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and then we get to the modern day. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, we find out that, that Hudson Hawk was only in jail because he had been set up by, uh, by, the, CIA. by the CIA. And he's actually a perfectly nice thief. <laughs> Yeah. And, well, and he owns half of a bar that uh, is now yeah. catering to yuppies, which is a yeah, but which actually was like, wow, that means it's very successful. It makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. and, Reindeer, and goat cheese, pizza, <laughs> <laughs> which I think sounds delicious. Um. And apparently, is a quote from another film. I think they used it. What was it? The Last Boy Scout, something like that. Somebody said I saw. It. I would trivia. know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't either. I didn't watch it. But yeah. well, I think that uh, <laughs> it's that time where yeah. you and I try to convince each other that we're right. The Roundup. You're wrong. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I, I I admit I am in somewhat of a min minority uh, of this film. Um, I adore this film. I think it's fun. I don't... There's nothing about it I take seriously. It allows me to enjoy Bruce Willis. Enjoy Bruce Willis, won't you, on the side or, you know. Enjoy him um, sensibly. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't enjoy Bruce Willis and drive. No. <laughs> Please um, I, I the, again, Richard E. Grant really like bats it out of the park. I have oh, actually never Mr. seen Mr. Grant. Him. I think congratulations on your Oscar nomination. 
Yep, I, I I saw him in one other film, and of course, sadly, and I'm sure he'd hate this. It's like, oh, it's the Mayflower guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, it's like knowing um um a big movie actor. I can't think of his name. Martin, not Brian Brando, the British guy. Um, <laughs> the British guy. You know who I mean? Olivier. Yeah, yeah, it's like knowing Olivier. It's like, oh, he was in Clash of the Titans. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> Mr. Lord Olivier was not very picky about. I mean, he always said movies are crap. He said he thought yeah. they were terrible. He would he would accept any movie offer as long as they paid him well. Yeah, and that was in that movie he was the Irish actor Larry Olivier. because yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but he played Zeus in the original version, screen version of Bubo's Greatest Adventures. Yeah, um, yeah, and then there's Boys from Brazil and many others. Yeah. Um so sadly I only know Richard E. Grant from this. Um oh, I, he, he's makes, actually really good. He's done a ton of stuff. I'm sure he has. Um and he I just I, I I love the performances, I love the lines, I love the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously. I love the fact that you're made so dizzy that you have no idea where the film's going. I'm not sure it knows either, and that's fine. And I love the tacked on, absolutely pointless, unbelievable. We made this up as we're filming ending. Mm. Um these are all elements that I usually take other films to task for, such as <laughs> Aragon and uh, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, yeah, lots of other films. And for some reason, in this movie, it works. I think it's great. Yeah. Max. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I understand this movie is fun. The one thing I will say about it, it isn't boring. And at no point do you just sit there going, "I," you know, you don't look at your watch when you're watching this movie. It moves along nicely, mostly. Uh, <laughs> There are some fun parts. It is just, it's not, you know, we talk sometimes this is like three movies. This is about 165 movies thrown together. <laughs> and I like all of them. <laughs> and it doesn't know what it's going to be. And it really does look like something that they wrote. And they, they were making up as they went along. It's yep. like, and then the CIA showed up. And then the Vatican was involved. That, oh, but wait, CIA, they're all named after um, 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 candy bars. Yeah, I was, great. I was waiting for aliens. You know, I figured, I would not have at all been at all surprised. This the thing that bothers me about it is I think somewhere under there was a good movie that could have been made. There is also just some very jarring parts to it. There are a, a number of deaths that are actually really horrible. Yes, Min Minerva dies dies by being coated in molten gold, or is it lead? I don't think or they actually lead. Get we it don't. Change. Yeah, we don't actually know. Yeah, m molten metal. Yeah. Uh, well, how about the butler, Alfred? Alfred, the, get it, get it, get it. Yes, uh, gets his who, head uh, cut off. We also oh, you won't be joining that hat convention. <laughs> when, when they when they get the last piece, they they go to the Louvre and blow it up and kill who knows how many guards. They don't hey, even say. Don't, that, that's just an article. We don't even see that. Uh, yeah, exactly. It happens off stage. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I want to go back to your part of your earlier statement, though, because I'd, I'd really like to hear more about this. So, Max, we have mm -hmm. you on audio saying yeah. you think that somewhere in here was a decent movie. I think um, there could have been. I think <laughs> the whole idea of the recruiting of the great cat burglar. I mean, we've seen that with Cary Grant. You know, it takes a thief or to catch a thief. And we, we've seen that. The, that idea is kind of cool. And Willis is likable. And to... Uh, if the plot, if they had just not overcomplicated the plot so much, and you know, made it a little, maybe make a hint more sense, it might have there might have been something salvageable from this. As it is, if you look at it as a cartoon, it's entertaining. If you look at it as they're trying to do a live action cartoon, except then it's just not quite zany enough consistently. There are too many adult jokes in it. There are too many more serious themes. 
<laughs> I want to say that it has a plot that dares you to make sense of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kinda, it, there is a certain amount of, okay, you think you're following the plot now? Watch this. <laughs> and then Richard, or, uh, um, uh, uh, Darwin Mayflower comes out and makes some sort of exclamation. And it's like, uh, oh, I thought I, oh, okay. Yeah, so this, wait, wait, yeah. I got it. Oh, oh James Coburn. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. I bet you, boy, this cannot get any more confusing. And then the film goes, hold my beer. The Vatican! (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't like the Vatican symbol. That had been great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, that would have been funny. Yeah, yeah, the crossed keys. That would have been great. Hey, so when you're making the sequel out there, Hollywood, if you want to use some of our ideas. Absolutely. uh, I I think it's safe to say that there is absolutely no reason I should like this film. I have taken so many other films to task. This film, for me, one of my favorite films. Hey, that's fair. Because Max, on the other hand, is like, I have more taste than this, and justifiably so. Eh, like I say, I see, I understand some of why you like it. I, It's fun. I don't get why it's one of your favorites. That just baffles me. It's because you've been reading medical journals about psychiatric help. Ah, eh. <laughs> uh, yes, it makes sense now. Yes, I understand why this man, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 himmel. <laughs> right, so uh, I've, I've now, uh, I don't know, can I get any lower? I don't know, we'll have to find out because it's not yep. my turn next nope, week. Nope, it's, it's my turn. turn. And this one, again, this is from a director I really like, Kevin Smith. Mm. Stinking has, Kevin. Stinking Kevin, who is actually who has done some terrific films, I think. I Dogma, I really love. Chasing Amy is very touching. Who has not seen Dogma 67 times? Yeah, yeah. It used to be the weekend film on Comedy Network or yep. Comedy Central. Yeah, um, The Clerks was one of the, the the first real indie film hits. Did you get to see that in the theater? Yes, I did. Yeah, me too. I, actually, I, I want to say mm. I also saw it with Libby uh, in the uh, West Newton. I thought um, it was great. made me uncomfortable, but I thought yeah. it was great. What made me uncomfortable is I my favorite character was Randall. <laughs> oh, okay. Really? The, jer- yeah. the jerky video clerk guy? Yeah, I just oh. I like I, I I disliked him as a person because you're supposed to, mm-hmm. but I thought he was funny. I yeah, he, oh, anyway. he was. He was funny. He had some of the best dialogue. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, we're, this is one. Oh, when Kevin Smith does a does a movie that isn't so good, it's really not very good. This is not mm. one of his worst, I think. What's one of his worst? Uh, probably Jersey Girl. Oh, okay. But uh, or oh, you know, really, I'm wondering if we should do. Except this isn't a pleasure, but Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, I never saw it. Yeah, it's not good at all. But I can't say it's a pleasure because it's that one just is, I don't really want to see again. But every once in a while, I get a hankering to see Mall Rats. Do you? Yes. That was like, I don't know, his second or third film. It's a very early one. And it's got, I mean, hell, all these people, Joey Lauren Adams is in it. Uh, ben Affleck is in it. What? Yeah, an Affleck and a Kevin Smith. That never happened. I know, happened. hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> and and of course, my favorite character, the Mall of America. <laughs> and a brilliant character it is too. It is. So we'll see. I, I, you may you may be able to shred that one again. There's a lot to dislike about it. And again, it's one of those movies where unfortunately the main characters are quite unpleasant. But we'll, we'll see. I enjoy it. I'm not well, sure you know why. What? I think uh, to get through this film, there's only one way I can do that. I'm going to come there, and I'm going to make you watch it with me. Wait, what? What do you mean come I am here? coming to your house. No. And I'm going to be there, and we're oh, going to record God. live together again. Right, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nobody said you could come into my house. All right, folks. We'll see you next week <laughs> Help! at the mall. <laughs> Somebody please call the police. I have a key. I have a key. <laughs>
This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Okay. This can be an outtake. Ooh, magic outtakes. <laughs> yes, we can post them up on our bloopers reel. <laughs>